Phoenix Down Radio is on the air. Welcome everybody to Phoenix Down Radio, episode number 141. I'm your host Klaus Nightbringer. And joining me, we have Talas and Sayre, even though Talas isn't in-game and we don't have cameras on today because we feel ugly. Ooh, why is that chat so big? But I think it'll be fine. How's everybody doing tonight? I was doing great until Sarah posted some trash in the chat, but otherwise I'm doing awesome. You brought it on yourself by mentioning the existence of salsa and reminding me of a meme. I did do that. However, you still suck just a little bit. He's I still wrong. love you. You're amazing. Ah. Okay, he's totally I'm wrong. doing pretty decently. That's good to hear. What have you guys been up to since the last episode? Uh, uh, I'm in the middle of disc three of Final Fantasy VIII because after doing two episodes of music, I was like, I missed the crap out of this game. <laughs> I'm going to buy it and I'm going to play it. And I'm cheating by using the 3x speed thing. Oh my god, the draw system is so much better at 3x speed. Uh, that barely it's been, even feels like cheating. Yeah, that actually is is kind of fine. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun playing through eight again and kind of seeing where the S generation post seven really started to kind of take off and seeing some stuff in eight that reminded me of stuff in like eleven and fourteen and even twelve. Hmm. Very cool. It has been fun. Sarah, I heard you got poked. Yeah. Uh the uh, city of uh, HR and legal got together and talked a bit with the county and figured out that since city workers can potentially be activated as emergency workers, that we actually are eligible for the vaccine. So I got my first one. Yo, it's notes in the Twitch. Right on. Oh, Ooh. wow. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> yes. Maybe not. <laughs> okay, that, uh, okay. Anyway. It was, yeah, I was I was hoping to move it over there, but unfortunately, it's picking up the entirety of the uh, game, not uh, not just. Uh, it turns yeah. out we write some things. <laughs> yes, well, you got to see our uh, notes. So, also game wise, uh, I tried the Project Triangle Strategy demo, and I am very intrigued for it. I also ended up getting really into Eureka somehow. Well, I mean, if you really want to get through the story, the story is kind of interesting. The story is kind of weird and problematic in how it intersects with some stuff. Also, you get, like, lots of shiny weaponry. That too. And you can get some interesting looking gear as well. Yeah. Fucking side boob harness. That's my side boob. It's so strange to me to think that, like, hey, you know what we were not expecting in March of 2021? A Eureka resurgence. It's been a weird. I am kind of excited, but like I also don't have a sub right now, so like it's very weird to kind of look back and go, "Oh, stuff's happening." Why are we playing Stormblood content in 2021? Yeah, like on uh, mass. I also tried some of the Bosda stuff and found out that rather than trying to run those eight trillion fates, you just run a fragment party in Bosda, and then you get all the crystals you need. So uh, I am making lots of shiny relic weapons all over the place. Yeah, I'll need to probably Dude, start awesome. doing that because I was initially using um, the fates within um, the Stormblood areas in order to get uh, some of those crystals. Oh, and it's, yeah. but it's like for, uh, for it's that, boring. It, for that one, the other option is the raids. And it turns out that 
like in the time it takes to run an Ivalice raid, you can get like three or four crystals, for instance. Yeah. On average. Hmm. It is fine. Do those drop in Boja as well? Uh, those ones do not. Okay, so I have okay, I guess I have to go back to my, my fate grinding. Oh well. I mean I do need to get my uh, um Astro up to uh you know Astro I need to get up there. I got it at sixty seven now. That's actually and, really high. And Black Mage is seventy seven. Wait, your black mage? Always Thaumaturge black mage? I jumped it, remember? Oh, yeah. right. Because yeah. I didn't want yeah, to touch it. The jump it. goes to 70 now. <laughs> it, I, I bought a jump uh, potion when they were uh, um, on sale. Bucks or whatever, yeah. It was worth it, so I didn't have to touch the damn thing. <laughs> There's some jobs that I'm just like, I'm never going to level this. Do I care about the story? Can I go watch it in the inn or in New Game Plus or whatever later? And then I go, is it worth $20 to have a thing at 80 that I can then gear and then never touch again? And sometimes, yes, because, oh my god, the armory chest clean-out is real. Oh yeah, yeah. But, that part was nice. Oh, that was the other thing. Uh, I leveled some more stuff, and I am now two, one-third of a level away from an Amaro mount. Oh, well, you're, nice, you, you, you jumped way past me now. Uh... I don't even, not even entirely sure how I, oh, it probably was a bunch of the boss just stuff now that I think about it. Yeah, because if you got it at least level 71, you can run it all there and get a bunch of uh, XP, so. Yep, yep. I just Efficiency don't want to run, I, I don't want to run these jobs through Boja, though. No, I ran my monk because whatever, it's monk. Uh, my monk is now 80, so I was able to dump a whole pile of crap that is not um, capped out because I already had a capped samurai. So I just switched all the gear over. It's been pretty solid. Yep. But I mean, if things keep up the way they are, I should be have my uh, my Amaro before five point five. Dang, that's in what two weeks? Three? Yeah. I mean, because right now uh, we'll talk about some of the things that are going on that are helping with that. But we got in in game events that are helping to uh, make some of mm -hmm. the lower level content uh, pop faster. So, <gasps> but the only other thing that I had go on is last week uh, Thursday. I got my PS5. Ooh. You got a, oh, you got oh, your second one, but you got one. Yes. The, the, I didn't open the first one. It was except unopened. And I, 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 I sold it because I was getting the vehicle and I didn't know I was getting the vehicle right. until after I had ordered it and paid for it and it was being shipped. So, right. like, so you, that's right. So I sold it so I could pay for the vehicle, but you uh, paid the ultimate price. Yeah. I had, I had I mean, to wait four months for, uh, to get a PS5. That was the ultimate price. <laughs> but, Honestly, like that's not that bad. No, no. Um, however, I mean, it is still a, a pain in the ass for the average person to try and get one. And uh, I feel bad for anybody who's been trying really hard. Um, one thing that I learned is um, if you have Twitter, you need to follow Wario64. And make sure that uh, you have uh, notifications turned on for that account because they have been posting uh, when uh, different businesses have PlayStation 5s available uh, for sale online. Uh, so they're running a script to find them somewhere. Well, or they, they have access to people who are doing that. Um, they've been pretty good about it. I mean, I actually was able to get two pre-orders or, or two or, uh, orders in. Nice. Wow. Um, initially, it was a Walmart one, but that wasn't going to be here until April thirteenth, which wouldn't have been which would have been fine. 
But then uh, the next day I was able to get on a Best Buy one, and that's the one I ended up getting last week. So I, I just was able to cancel my, my Walmart one. How's the uh, controller feel? Oh, it's nice. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it? I remember the like. I didn't think the upgrade from three to four was that drastic, and then I went back to play some Atelier games a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, "Holy God, how did I hold this thing? Like it was bad." Four to so five I'm, is I, I. Okay, so the, the controller is beefier. Okay, it's it's got a little more weight to it, so it feels really nice in the hands, at least in my hands. Okay, the the uh, haptic triggers. Don't work for every game, but the ones that they do work for, holy shit, is that nice. Okay, because I'm going to be playing some racing games when I get one. So it, It's one of those things where me. it's hard to understand what it, exactly they mean until you're able to actually try it. Okay. But yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've been playing a little bit of Fall Guys, and I also played some Astro's Playroom. Uh, Astro's Playroom is the free game that comes with the PlayStation. Um, it allows you to kind of get used to uh, the control schemes, how the controller works, mm -hmm. the haptic triggers, all that good stuff. And P player calibration software is what it's called. Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's basically your tutorial. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's really nice. Um, but holy shit, is the PlayStation beefy. I saw it's a big boy. It is a <laughs> thick boy. But... Uh, <laughs> It, it, it's kind of nice because the whole white and black scheme works really well with my new PC as well. So, oh, that's cool. So, I mean, yeah, I have all black hardware other than my uh, MacBook, which is silver. So, like, it's gonna be really interesting to get new colors of hardware. Yeah, though, the, the, I, from what I've read, the side panels are actually really easy to remove, and there are a few companies who are making uh, different colored uh, side panels. Like, I know D Brand for one is making a, a matte black side panel. Mm-hmm. So then they look pretty nice. I saw those on uh, Linus's channel, Linus Tech Tips. Okay. Yeah, so. I think mine'll. I mean, it's me. I bought no, a piece I know. of hardware. It's getting modified within seconds of entering my house. <laughs> Actually, I also heard that. Um, who was it? Uh, Brian Altano from uh, IGN actually took, or somebody from IGN took their side panels to a, a, an auto body shop and had them painted with uh, auto paints. <sighs> Wow, that is ridiculous, and I love yep. it. All you have, I mean, you get the uh, the primer base coat together. Yeah, you could totally candy pearl the side of a PS5. Yeah, and I've heard it looks amazing. I'm looking at my desk, and I'm like, I have a lot of touch-up paint that's just sitting here for cars that I don't own anymore. <laughs> but I'm gonna uh, do some dumb things. But before we move on, I do want to have to say uh, a huge uh, thank you to our Patreon supporters. Because basically, I'd been saving up all of our uh, proceeds from Patreon for the past year and a half. And I went to look at, at the proceeds we had, and it was just about enough to cover a PS5. So I went ahead and uh, we did that. So I want to thank you guys so much for that. Uh, the opportunity for me to uh, add a PlayStation to, to our content. And, uh, yeah, I'm hoping... you'll have to stream some really cool stuff for them. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm really looking forward to uh, um, uh, the, uh, in, the the new uh, Final Fantasy VII remake um DLC coming out in June, as well as uh, the F the FF14 beta in next month. Ooh, oh, shit! That's next that's month. That's some exciting next news. Month. Let's talk about it. Well, we did talk about it like a month ago. Yeah. Let's still. talk more about news relating to these things <laughs> that were just mentioned because I'm attempting to do a segue. All right. So, so let's go ahead and jump into some gaming <laughs> community news. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> if my camera is on, you would see me giving you double finger guns. <sighs> At least, oh, yeah. not, at least not double finger. 
No. For being slow. Yeah, um, he got there eventually. So apparently, in Final Fantasy VII news, the Final Fantasy VII remake Integrade will introduce blood into the game. Oh my god! They were all zombies before without blood! It all makes sense! You make Wait, sense. Wait, no, it <laughs> um, According to The Gamer, uh, um, the, the PlayStation Store listing shows that Integrade will have the same overall rating as the original game, but the, it has the addition of blood. Um, although Integrate is an updated version of a 2020 release, it would make sense. It wouldn't make sense for them to add blood to old scenes. So they're guessing that it's just going to be appearing in the Yuffie chapter exclusive to Integrate. Odd to only include it in part, not all. Yeah. Well, I'm, it, that would it's be a, a lot of work to add it to the other or to, to the original game. True. Um, it is a little strange that they went kind of bloodless, given that even in the original, there were scenes like. Like, okay, technically alien blood, but like all the scenes with Genova, uh, Genova's body being dragged around in the Shinra headquarters. That was all purplish mm-hmm. kind of stuff now. Just, it was, yeah. It was alien goopy blood kind of looking. Um, now, the uh, Final Fantasy VII original game did have blood, um, but the remake decided to avoid it altogether, even in the scenes that were would have made sense, like the scene that uh, Sarah was talking about or um, uh, fights against uh, Sephiroth. Um, now, if you're new to the game and you wish to purchase the full game, you can pre-order it for $69.99 in the PlayStation Store, or you can get the digital deluxe version for $20 more. Now, this is for PS5. So, Integrate is only going to be available on the PS5 version. I love that they are very much like... Sony is really smart. Like they will give us things that will make us want to buy the next version of the hardware, and mm-hmm. this is where they're going with that. We have a very smart marketing plan. Yep. And then remember, we talked about it pr- previous. If you currently own the game for PS4, you will be able to upgrade to the PS5 version for free. So you'll probably have to pay extra for the uh, the Ufi DLC. Still not bad. No. Um. Final Fantasy VII Battle Royale is designed to grow the series' typical demographic. And uh, no additional DLC will be um, made for the re- past remake integrate, at least for this particular um, part. Yeah, it's not an official announcement, but it feels reasonably close. Yep, give me a mm-hmm. second here, copy. So according to uh, an article from Eurogamer.net, um, the first soldier, a battle royale style mobile game it, that was releasing later this year, is designed to expand the demographic of the game and introduce the world of Final Fantasy VII to a new group of gamers, according to Nomura in this interview. Uh, and according to Nomura, he says, I do want people to discover an interest in the world of Final Fantasy VII from this game, but it goes without saying that if we are going to do it properly there, then there can be no half measures, and we are putting everything we have into getting the content of the game right too. Um, I guess they said the, the first soldier will be playable via closed beta test in the future, um, but there's no word yet when that is going to be happening. So that's kind of neat. I'm looking forward to seeing when that pops up. Are you guys going to give that game a try? This is now. Remember, this is the mobile game. I mean, I play enough mobile games as it is. Once it hurt to try one more. Exactly. I'll probably install it and try it, but we'll see how long it lasts. I know I'm not very good at Battle Royale style games, but, you know, every once in a while it's kind of fun to try something different. Yeah, like, 
I, I, I'll be honest. It's got the Final Fantasy name on it. I'm going to give it a look. I'm a sucker. <laughs> that's that's actually true. pretty much golden mm-hmm. right there. That's exactly how it's going to go down over here, too. Now, getting into the DLC portion that we discussed, Nomura confirmed that there will be no further DLC for the Final Fantasy VII Remake currently in the works after its upcoming announced Yuffie chapter. Instead, development will shift completely to the remake sequel. Yeah. Uh, so that makes sense rather than just like turning out more and more for each of uh, uh, more and more DLC for a remake and putting all the eggs on that kind of keep the story moving along. To be honest with you, I wasn't expecting any type of uh, um, DLC between these. It's, this is kind of just a nice little uh, added feature. Yeah. Um, I mean, given that uh, the ways they're changing up the story, bringing in Yuffie and getting to see a little bit of how she ch- uh, interacts with this will be fun. Yep. Also, uh, I just think she's fun in general. Yep. Now, Namura says, sorting out the devel- the development environment on PS5 for Integrate meant that moving on to developing the sequel was much smoother. So that's that, that might have been part of the reason why they did it, so they could kind of get used to programming for the PS5. Hmm. And, makes uh, sense. He also says... We I are- mean, that's fine. It makes sense. Yep. He's- then he also said, we are now prioritizing the roadmap for completing the next game. So if we do need to think about more DLC, then we probably come after that is finished. So, I mean, there, he's not saying no DLC ever again, just not between one and two. Parts one and part two. Yeah, that's the impression I had. I can't think of a reason to rule out doing DLC ever again. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe Vincent will be DLC. Well, so that actually is a thing I wonder about. So we're going to have Yuffie DLC for this. Does that mean she won't be a part of the... Uh, main story or maybe she's dlc for now and then whether you play that or not she does get introduced in the second half part who knows I don't know. That, that's an interesting way to think about it i'm not sure if they can lock it behind a previous game's dlc or not <laughs> or it might be something where she comes in but there's like a little bit of bonus if you've done that that's because possible. it sounds like it uh from what we saw in the preview it looks like yuffie's meeting up with or yuffie i keep calling her yuffie uh, is meeting up with an with another chapter of Avalanche. They've mentioned that there are multiple chapters. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that she's doing something where she's not going to interact as much with the main cast at this point, but then she may uh, come and meet up with them later on, and it might change some parts of it based on what whether you did the DLC or not. Now, if I understand maybe. correctly... I don't know. I am this is not confirmed. I am just theorizing here. I want to be very clear about that before I accidentally get uh, used as a source of canon information. <laughs> now, now, isn't it? Didn't she actually appear in Midgar in some of the original uh, storyline that maybe wasn't that wasn't in the actual game? Possibly. I know in the actual game, the first opportunities you have to meet her are in some of the forests once you start getting out of Midgar. Uh, I don't know. Like I said, the Midgar Wupai thing, of course, goes back a bit. I think she had some appearances in Crisis Core where she was still a kid. All I know is that the the lore behind the world of Final Fantasy VII is much more uh, open and, and just there's so much more to it than I'm aware of. Uh, there's mm-hmm. stories, there's books, there's the other games, there's, there's just so much that happens outside of what, what happened in Final Fantasy VII. Like the actual game, so. Seven is very expansive. Like, mm-hmm. it didn't, like, a lot of the games we think, oh, okay, here's where the game ends. Like, 12 is 12, except there's also Revenant Wings, but not really. 
11 is 11, it's huge. 10 is 10, except we get 10 too. 7 kind of kickstarted that, where it's like, here's 7, here's a bunch of stories, here's a bunch of books, here's a bunch of OVAs, here's a movie. Like, we have a lot of things to come in, so getting this remake where it is, we have access to a bunch more information that we didn't have when the game was originally released. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the kind of start when they went with, like, the uh, the After Years uh, at, um, sequel For to 4. four. Uh, I think that was later, actually, uh, after some of the FS7 stuff. Was it after that? I was going to say, like, we can just lie on the internet and somebody will correct us, but I think it Ooh. was after. Okay, so so it, 7 might have start, kick-started, then they started to go back on some of the other games and add on additional content? Maybe, but, like, I, I know my PSP version of FF1 and FF2, like, there was a whole bunch of extra add-on content for FF1 that was just that's... fantastic. Yeah, they and added a few dungeons. Like, that entire after scenario for FF2, which I just really love. Yes. And I remember this being really controversial at the time. People were like, there aren't sequels to these. Each one is a new one. And actually, that seems to be a thing for pretty much anything. We've talked before about how often FF7 or how often the FF series will just keep trying new things and tweaking and messing around with. And it's always ended up being at least a little controversial when they started saying, hey, we want to not even do a specific sequel, but just more stuff in the setting. That was controversial at the time because it was, okay, when there's a new game, there's a new setting for it. That's how it works. And then we go in and we go, oh, okay, it's Tactics Advance. All right, well, are we getting War of the Lions 2? No. We start off with a snowball fight in a school. You're like, uh, which ended up being conveyance and a whole other thing. But it just, we go in with a very, very different expectation. And then when we get Tactics A2, we all think, okay, cool. This is a follow up to Tactics Advance. And it was, but also it was its own unique story. And then 12 exists. And you're like, oh my God, there are four unique single chapter, single window into this universe games. And while they're all similar and they all work very similar and they're all in the same world, they are not the same game. They do uh, not see each other. Are there five now? Uh, Vagrant Story. Because we have 12, we have three tactics games, Vagrant Story. God, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Everyone always forgets Vagrant Story, but I loved that game. Oh, it was good. I just, it yeah. doesn't. It's the same reason I don't think about like the saga games because I'm like, no, they were Final Fantasy Legend. Well. <laughs> <laughs> no, they weren't. Well, talk about highly experimental shit. Oh my god, it's so difficult to play the saga games. They're just impossibly hard. I love them, but they're very hard. I would say less hard and more obtuse. Like. I don't yeah. know that necessarily the system is a especially like difficult or unfair one. It's once you have managed to wrap your head around it, but it is not it is not an especially accessible. I put enough time into it that I decided that it wasn't worth leaving installed. <laughs> I was playing Scarlet Grace, which fairly was a stupid and terrible and weird place to start, but it gave me a lot of infrastructure and a lot of knowledge to go, should I buy a switch and the copies on the no. No, I should not. Okay. All right. Let's go ahead and move on. Um, yep, last yep. bit of uh, Final Fantasy VII world news. Uh, Ever Crisis will be free to play and will be supported by loot boxes. They made it a goddamn gotcha. <laughs> but, I mean, there's still some really cool things about the game that, that yeah. sound really interesting. 
According to an IGN article, uh, Ever Crisis is presented in an episodic format, and each new episode will be free to play. Nomura says the current plan is to fit the story of Final Fantasy VII into ten chapters, with the first three covering the Midgar portion of the story. Uh, now, Ever Crisis will also retell other stories in the compilation of Final Fantasy VII, so expect further chapters beyond that to cover Advent Children, Before Crisis, Crisis Core, and Dirge of Cerberus. So, for those of us who missed Busy some of those game. games, uh, yeah. it'll be kind of nice to be able to play them on your phone. Yeah. For I'll free. also go ahead and, on the less doomful side, if they're using uh, how they've done Defu as a model, if you're playing it just for, like, the story mode, then it's generally going to be pretty accessible. It's only when you want to start doing, like, the hardest endgame fights and things like that mm-hmm. that it starts becoming a lot more pressure to make use of that gotcha system. Yep. Yeah, I mean... While you can get through a lot of the story pretty easily without having a lot of uh, good weapons, those weapons really help. <laughs> yeah. But if it's something where you're just, if you just want to do it for the story and you're not even worried about, like, say, the more difficult mode things or the higher end ones, that usually has, uh, has tended to be a, a bit more accessible. And I feel like that's a trend they've moved towards in general. Mm-hmm. It seems if like you just want to enjoy the story, they're not going to put the pressure on you. Yeah, it seems that. like the higher level co- uh, content is mainly going to be for challenge and for uh, um, bragging rights. Mm hmm. Uh, continuing on, they said, furthermore, there will be new storylines for this interpretation of the story. Uh, the first original episode will reveal the story behind Final Fantasy VII, The First Soldier, uh, the Battle Royale game currently in development. Um, and uh, Nomura says, the events of First Soldier take place around 30 years before the Final Fantasy VII main story and go into the founding of Soldier. So it goes without saying that you will see some of the legendary heroes in their younger days, as well as younger versions of the future Shinra executives and other characters who will appear in the remake sequels. We're going to have a lot of content to play with. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I, okay, so I was, I was wondering about that. Uh, in FF7, canonically, Sephiroth is 27 years old. I thought he was older. And maybe the, God, the Genova cells... JRPG characters. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I suppose most of the characters that we're aware of were... Uh... Probably only in in uh, Soldier for like maybe ten years before the uh, start of the original game. Yeah, and I think mean, about how old they were when they started in this kind of a world. They were, you know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen when they got radicalized. Mm-hmm. So they're only going to be in their mid twenties. That's so. Yeah, if you're going back thirty years, like Sid Highwind is still going to be a kid. He's going to be 30, so he's going to be in his late 20s. Uh, Sid Highwind, he's 32 during the game. Oh, he is, isn't so he? He's Shit, gonna be, no, I'm thinking... Yeah, so I'm he's going to be two years Sid. old. Let's see. I want him to have a little airship as, like, a toy that he's playing with. <laughs> <laughs> he does make lots of paper airplanes. Yeah, Barrett was, was 35 right. during the game, so we're looking at... He'd be five years old. He'd be a little kid in the mining town of Corral. Yep. He'd have his right hand. Yep. Yeah. Is he still going to be swearing up a storm? I hope so. Five. (laughs) So? I hope so. (laughs) (sighs) So yeah, that's a lot of stuff to look forward to with Final in the Final Fantasy VII universe. Mm -hmm. It's nice to get a little bit more information on those mobile games. I mean, they actually make them sound a lot more interesting now. 
it's true. When I hear mobile game, I'm instantly incredibly reluctant. But yet this is like, oh, no, you actually do care. And this is not this is not as much of a cash grab. This is designed to be a playable experience for players to enjoy. Mm-hmm. And we I actually mean, that's go ahead. The case for any new uh, medium like this, isn't it? The first ones are a bit rough. Some of them are very much focused on the oh hey, let's just take advantage of the novelty of it. And it's only once it's been out for a bit, you start developing a set of standards and expectations, and people start getting a bit more of an idea of like how do people interact with this? How can we play it? So the word you're looking for is duodecim, by the way. <laughs> just gonna go ahead and say it as somebody that loved the crap out of all the games except for nt yeah nope <laughs> really the best one it really was and i don't even usually like fighting games all right let's go ahead and continue on we actually have some final fantasy 14 news again this week do, 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 do. the patch 5.5 special site is now live it's kind of bare, but uh, it is up there. It exists. Yep. Uh, Death Unto Dawn is the name of the, uh, the, the next uh, patch. And uh, I'm yeah. just going to say my first, first initial knee-jerk response. Oh my god, people I know. <laughs> As the <laughs> image. <laughs> I'm very excited to see Ralvon again and Lise. The take on that image that I really like, so it shows a bunch of the uh, various leaders of the nations that make up Eorzea and Hien's alliance and things like that, but someone overlaid a thing of it as if it was the clock for a uh, for an extreme trial or something like that. Yeah, Labeling Connie, uh, Senna, and Nanamo as the healers, indicating that uh, Aymeric was the off-tank. Uh, someone threw in a thing about, okay, and then make sure to rotate clockwise for stacks. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, no, the three on the right, along with Merylib, are your DPS. You know, I don't hate everything that you're saying. This actually <laughs> sounds pretty fire. <laughs> uh, the, now, the name itself, is this how we've heard that name? I, I think I, it. I'm pretty sure they announced it at the last live letter. Okay. Uh, I know they, I'm not sure if they had announced the English name of it or the North American name of it before. At first, it sounded a little bit strange. The only thing I can think of that might make sense is if the Dawn is possibly referring to, like, the Scions of the Seventh Dawn, or, like, the concept of this being the Dawn of, like, the the Seventh Astral Era, or things like that, if someone's trying to start uh, end that Astral Era and plunge us into a new darkness. I don't know. The Unto is the bit that makes it strange. Well, It's a weird word in English. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll probably learn more about it uh, on uh, Friday, April 2nd at 7 a.m. Eastern Time when we get Live Letter 63. <laughs> mm, I officially declare not it for the dude that has to be up at 4 a.m. to watch that. Yeah, I fixed my sleep schedule. You don't do this to me now. Yeah, 7 a.m. <laughs> Eastern, 6 a.m. Central, 4 a.m. Pacific. Now, I will be awake during that time frame only because I'm always awake during that time during the week because of work. But crack of dawn. I think I will actually be able to work from home that day. So, uh, yeah, I'll be watching a little bit uh, before I start my day. You know, before I sign in remotely and uh, start work. Klaus has volunteered. Huh? Klaus has volunteered. Yep, it's true. I said I might. 
Klaus has confirmed <laughs> that Sarah's going to write everything. Oh, man, I am going to do so much shit posting. It's going to be great. How's that different from any other time? I was going to say that's the same, bro. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no. Like more of that Sarah Brad shit posting you have come to know and tolerate. Tolerate is a strong word. I was going to say, we're not getting out of this class. I think we're too deep now. <laughs> um, patch 5.5 part two uh, will be discussed. And then uh, some miscellaneous updates as well. Um, and there will be uh, English and Japanese text on the, the slides. However, the audio will be uh, Japanese only. Um, Same as usual. But I'm sure there are going to be a number of uh, fan sites that are going to be doing live translations. Uh, I know there's a couple of discords that do it. Um, as well as there's probably going to be a couple of uh, Twitch or YouTube streams going during that time. So make sure to look for those if you're interested in, uh, you know, on-the-fly translations. Um, otherwise, there is generally an official translation within a couple of days. Um, and then the official uh, links will be posted uh, closer to the date. Now, we were talking... Are we, only going up, are we only going up to, like, we went to, what, 4.55? In Stormblood? Yep. So this is going to be the last full patch, and then Tense. there will be a 5-5. A five five, I'm sure. Dang. But, like I said, we have to go all the way until uh, the fall on, on this patch, so. The fall? Yeah. September, right? September, October. Somewhere in there. Oof. But you gotta it's remember, everything was pushed back three months because of COVID. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think I said this a, a while back, but don't expect that to ever be made up. No. Like, that was just time that was lost. Yeah. We, which, now, get path, we now get expansions in September. Yeah, That's which, just how it I is. I mean, it's better only that it's only three months versus a, a full year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I w and also, let's be real. I would rather wait a few more months to play a video game that I like than see all of the people who have busted their asses since last year just to continue making whatever they can do happen get more sick be at more risk for months on end so that i can play a video game three months sooner absolutely yeah, not take exactly. your time be safe take care of your staff take care of your team we're fans we're here for a reason we'll wait one thousand percent some eureka weapons <laughs> priorities now, oh, sir. Now, earlier at, at the beginning of the show, we were talking about, you know, how we were leveling up and all that stuff. Well, uh, an easy way to level up and do some stuff until to kind of test over until patch 5.5 is the Moogle Treasure Trove. Uh, that's going now until uh, the, the patch 5.5 maintenance. Um, you're going to be able to run a whole bunch of different uh, content, um, get some bonus Moogle tomes, and. Uh, yeah, it makes leveling a lot easier, actually. Plus, you can get access to a number of mounts, minions, orchestrian roles, glamour items, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, uh, so notable stuff this time around. They have the Falcon uh, mount, which has been a very sporadically uh, accessible one that is really, really fun. Yeah, I think that was uh -huh. only available during that one uh, particular login phase. Where if you logged in yeah. for like uh, during a 90 day period, you were able to get one. 
Yep, the Tyrannosaur Horn, for those of you who don't want to touch Eureka, this is probably <laughs> your single best opportunity to get it. Let's see, I... You can just at me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> the Orchestrian roll comes from uh, Deltascape, so I'd probably be willing to run that one, but you may not. <laughs> Actually, I think I have that one already. Uh, some crafting material, the Mariner cotton cloth used for making the uh, old Sailor Glamour. Which was a... that came from maps, I believe, correct? Yep. Yeah, I, is this the first time we've had crafting materials as part of it? I don't recall. I would generally no. go for specific... Uh, um, either the, glam, the Glamour Earring or like Orchestrian Rolls or Minions that I didn't have. Yeah. We actually had it... A, uh, I think it was the last one was the first one that they had it, but it was like a couple of little weird things that you could just buy on the market board for like a hundred thousand gill, and it just kind of tanked that. Well, the ones that I was looking at was like cloth or something. It was some gatherable thing. I was like, okay, well, I can spend a hundred thousand gill each and buy you know a million gill worth and buy ten of them, or I can level something from 60 to 63 in an afternoon and get eight of them and i only needed four in the first place yeah so one it the, actually was pretty nice i think it was cloth one of the triple triad cards has been one of my white whales so i am happy to just spend seven tones <laughs> and get that yeah yeah i can understand that um i, I, I was the, the last event one of the triple triad cards was one i had stayed up until 3 a.m going for uh, about a week prior Mm. I probably remember how salty you were that day. Oh my god. I wasn't actually that salty about it. I was like, you know what? I wasn't doing great and I probably would have stayed up anyways. And this is less tombstones I need to get. But there was a little bit of like, of course that's the way. Oh, <laughs> and I told uh I totally missed over it the first time, but the nightmare whistle. Yeah. Uh, surprisingly difficult to get and i think a lot of people who don't want to keep trying to run those old extremes would be happy to just take this opportunity to get themselves a black pony or if you're on hyperion and, and you want some help and you're like level 80 and you want to un uh low man it's just at me and we'll uh, we'll run through the first three dude i we have been doing those regularly for my wondrous tales all this time and i only got the drop like about a month ago really yeah, Mine, again, like, I am by accident the first time, like four years ago. Wow. Yeah, Kane and like, I... Again, I don't mind. I saved myself needing to get 30 tombstones out of it. Yeah. But it was like, it was like okay, this is a pleasant surprise. Yeah. I don't know if maybe I was just unusually unlucky, but... Probably. I, I don't know, because Kane and I did it in an evening, uh, probably about a year and a half ago, two years ago. We just ran a whole bunch of Garuda. Um I think we were we either were both tanks or I was tank, he was DPS or vice versa. And yeah, I mean, the runs took like a whole minute and a half. Dude, Garuda is brutally fast now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing I want to point out for the uh, Tombstone event is they, I believe it's new for this one, that some of the objectives actually award a variable number of Tombstones. Uh, specifically, the five PvP objectives will give you five tombstones if your team takes first place and three tombstones otherwise. Hmm. That's actually I'm, fine, because you just math it at three and then the other two are a bonus. Yeah, I'm guessing it's at least partly so people will not just be like, okay, I'm in, I am going to just like flail around the entire time to kind of encourage people to make a little bit of an effort. For that it. makes sense. Yeah, 
I mean, it it sucks to get less for doing the same thing that another person does, but I mean, if you're not putting in an effort, then yeah, I mean, I understand that you're trying to yeah. incentivize. Do you guys remember effort. the Garo event? Yep. When people were logging into PvP and it was literally just 48 people standing around for 15 minutes to get Garo gear. Hey, mm. to end for months. It was boring. And all the P- actual PvP players, there'd be half a dozen of them in a match would be like, why? Why? This is awful. We can't even play the thing we like because there's so many people doing this. So having that incentive oh, yeah, ideally I, I prevents people yeah. from doing that. I get they it. want to encourage people to play PvP, which mm-hmm. is different from queuing for PvP. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 Accurate. But yeah, I mean, like I said, what that, that's helping to get some of the... Uh, um, the 24-man raids uh, queue popping, as well as uh, getting the PvP stuff to go, and it's still making the uh, the main scenario um, queue pretty well, pretty fast. Though it's not like it's slow as a healer, so. But I have been getting more prey prey versus uh, Castrum, so. Klaus, hmm. completely unrelated, but somehow you just triggered a wonderful slash terrible idea. Oh God, what? I'm interested. Parody song of my lip gloss is poppin'. My tank queue is poppin'. You're fired. I'll kill him. From a what? Cannon. You have to help with the body, though. Oh, I guess. <laughs> I am unappreciated in my own time. <laughs> I, I hate to tell you this, but it's going to be unappreciated even in 20 years. Uh, that's fair. <laughs> we still love you, though. Yeah. All right. All right. There is also um, a, uh, a a fan festival glamour contest that's uh, you can enter f- until April sixteenth. Um, this is kind of neat. Uh, they're trying to uh, get people to do a little bit of uh, cosplay, and, and they're not saying you have to do you know the most extravagant things, but um, what they'd like you to do is showcase your appreciation. Appreciation. I can talk today. Words. <laughs> For your favorite character, be it an NPC, monster, your own warrior of light, etc. By dressing up as them however you'd like to. Whether you choose to wear an intricate outfit designed to completely mimic them, or simply create an outfit themed to showcase your love for a certain character, the choice is up to you. And you've got until, I guess, until April 16th uh, to submit your entries for a chance to win your choice of either the Aramon or Mandragora Chokers. That'll be a lot of fun. It'll be fun. The prizes don't incentivize me to enter, though. No, not really. But I don't know. I feel like part of me just wants to, like, grab my sword and, like, take my shirt off and just, like, stand in my garage with the Warrior of Light tattoo and a sword over my back. (sighs) I won't win, but it might be fun. Well, see, I'm wondering if they're they're limiting the prizes because they're going to give it to everybody who enters. There is no mention well, as to how many winners there are. Uh, yeah, so this one is in-game participation items. Yeah, that was one they're specifically mentioned as. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, those chokers are they're they're the in-game items. Hmm. Yeah, they describe it as a showcase and not as a competition. Oh, that's true. Yep. So. I, I, since it's supposed to be part of the fan fest, mm-hmm. and since fan fests would normally have 
of the cosplay uh, contest. This feels like, okay, we can't have that. So here's an attempt to replicate. Yes. That. I mean, and I appreciate that the effort that they're putting to, to do that portion of it to kind of get people to get excited for, you know, the upcoming, uh, digital fan fest that we've got coming and to and, you know dress up as as what they may have wanted to if they were able to go to uh san san diego or london or paris was it or germany i don't remember somewhere in sure. europe well no it was london uh, and japan never mind duh uh, yeah, london, <laughs> london tokyo and uh san diego no, i thought it was actually going to be out, outside of of tokyo this year wasn't it in yokohama or some outside prefecture I thought they they were going to do. I honestly, since I since we can't go there, I kind of didn't yeah. bother putting purchase in my brain for it. No, you're fine. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's why, I don't know why I can please spaced out on the Japanese location. Uh, I mean, given, like, the people who really love doing the cosplay, who do a lot of stuff, they would do it even, like, even if you weren't offering anything that special of a prize, they would mm -hmm. do it just for the love of it. Oh, yeah. Just for exactly. being able to like, show off the costume, do all that. So I think it's more just adding like a little incentive to say, yeah, no, we want you to do this. Uh, this is something that we uh, will have this actual thing for. Yeah. Like the people, and the last thing you would want is to offer some unusual thing, amazing thing, and have a lot of people coming in with just kind of crappy ones in order to just win the prize. Yeah, because I, mean, I know there is a lot of amazing cosplayers in the 14 community. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's Cheza, there's um, she's like the one that comes to mind first and foremost because just all the cosplays she, she does so are amazing. Uh, um, Ultima, Ultima underscore Cos on Twitter. Um, she does a whole bunch of really insane stuff as well. Who's the, uh, sh the, there's one who who uh, actually has a, a cosplay channel on YouTube. Um, she's also no, it's not show. It's somebody else. I can't think, of, and I, I I I feel bad that I cannot think of her name, but she's done some amazing cosplays. Um, I mean Aya, who actually works for uh, mm -hmm. fourteen, she's an amazing cosplayer. Um, which is awesome. The fact that it's like, what do you do for a living? Oh, I work for SE doing fourteen stuff. Oh. And That's also a, a Twitch, project. also a Twitch partner and 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 an amazing cosplayer. <laughs> so, I mean, can't get any more, uh, you know, can't get any type of more amazing jobs than, than something like that. Correct. Also, looks like Sarah is in the chat uh, sharing his lyrics to his self-titled debut Let album. Let me go ahead and ban Sarah. That's a reasonable response. Anyway, if you're thinking about doing that, I mean, I actually did contemplate it. Um, you know, I've got that one uh, glamour of of Klaus with the mm -hmm. the vest and the tie and the white shirt. You know, mm -hmm. um, I was contemplating doing that, and then you know, doing something with my hair to kind of spike it up and get, kind of get that the hairstyle going. I mean, I do have red and brown hair right now, so and see a beard. Your vest, see your vest. No, nope. so I actually lightened my hair so that I could put green back in it and it lightened everything super blonde except for the green that was in it, which is now blue. And it looks my hair looks like I should be able to special summon a toothpaste themed cartoon dragon. And <laughs> I'm just like, I don't hate this, but it's very weird. So <laughs> now I want to glamour my 14 character, but I went to check and it turns out my sub has lapsed. Oops. So. No glamour for me. 
We may have to get you a, a, a time card or something. I mean, I have the money, I just haven't bothered to do it because I'm lazy. But now Sarah's like, hey, do you want a Tyrannosaurus? And I'm like, god Yeah, damn I kinda want a Tyrannosaurus. <laughs> uh, and then we also have a little bit of Final Fantasy adjacent news. Uh, you guys may be familiar with the uh, studio Luminous Productions. Um, that was the, uh, um, the studio that was formed by uh, former Final Fantasy XV director Hajime Tabata before he departed Square Enix. Um, their new IP, Project Athia, now has a name. It will be released as the Forspoken in 2022 as a PS5 console exclusive as well as on the PC. Now, uh, during a, uh, a, a latest online showcase called Square Enix Presents, uh, they showed a new trailer introducing voice actor Ella Balinska, sorry if I butchered that name, uh, who it will be uh, voice acting the main protagonist, Frey Holland, um, th this last Thursday. Let me put the uh, link to the uh, trailer in the chat. Um, I watched this and oh my god, I can really see Final Fantasy 15 influence in this gameplay. Also, like, black female protagonist? Fuck yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm very much excited for that. I mean, that's huge. Um, the voice acting is really good. In, in in what in the trailer as well as like I said the gameplay looks a lot like a more uh, streamlined version of what we had in Final Fantasy 15. You got that. You remember know, when? Go ahead. Remember when the trademark showed up and people were like, "Oh, hey, maybe that's the next FF14 expansion." <laughs> right. Uh, ah. No, it's just running under the Luminous uh, engine that 15 had. So. Which, frankly, while I was kind of iffy on the actual game of 15, it worked really well. Mm -hmm. So having that engine as something to base things on is a very, very good move. Yeah, and like I said, I think the game looks really nice, and I'm interested to learn more about it. Oh, it looks phenomenal. But, um, yeah, the, the, it's just, it, it is actually gorgeously rendered. Um, like I said, the stuff that you can do with a PlayStation 5 is phenomenal. So... Looking forward to hearing more about this one. So, yeah. I, I looked to see if there's anything else within the Square Enix Presents. Um, it's like a, it was like a Nintendo Direct style kind of presentation they had. About 40 minutes and they showed uh, there was going to be like a, a Shadow of the Tomb Raider, the, the new trilogy. Uh, they're going to do a, like a, a trilogy release pack for uh, the new Tomb Raider trilogy games um that'd be cool there's gonna be a new life is strange game coming out i th there's only one right i thought there was already a sequel there is a light there yeah there there's currently two games out one came out last no in 2019 i was gonna say last year but no that's uh more than a year ago 2020 didn't happen so everything feels like last year <laughs> you're not wrong um there's a few uh, other things that happened in there, but none of them really uh, were in the, kind Bubble of the Final Bobble. Fantasy universe. So there was Bubble Bobble nostalgia. Well, there was a Space Invaders thing announced too. I guess I didn't know that uh, Square Enix had bought Taito. I don't know if there's a partnership or something. 
or something like that. Yeah, there, 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 there's either a collaboration or SE and, and is owns Taito. I don't know what it is, but there was there was some mention of Taito in there and, and Space Invaders. No explain why Sarah said Bubble Bubble. Uh, I, I played I that game a lot when I was a kid. We actually had it, 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 it on was, computer. It was one of the things uh, in my college dorm. Someone had set up a MAME ed, uh, emulator in a uh, arcade cabinet, and Bubble Bobble was one of the ones <laughs> that was frequently swapped onto there. Nice. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. What, Look what you did! Oh my god! Yep. It does not take much. Yes, I know, but he knows it doesn't take much, and he's sitting there with an entire box of matches, flicking them at the gas can that is your brain to see which one makes it go boom. It's a fun analogy, also very dangerous. Please do not flick lit matches at gas cans. <laughs> Phoenix on radio does not uh, condone does flicking not matches condone the burning down of your house. <laughs> <laughs> See, I couldn't even get through that with a straight face. God, Jesus, no, I can't either, man. <laughs> oh Christ! On a so yeah, that was All a lot right. of good news. Um, yeah, of, actually, a lot of good discussion and news coming out of that. So I really appreciated that. So, well, you guys are all here for, I guess. Disc 3 of the Final Fantasy VIII original soundtrack. Thank you once again to FinalFantasy.Fandom.com for the, uh, the amazing information on all of these uh, soundtracks. As well as if you guys have been enjoying the music, please uh, look for it out on your favorite... Uh, um, whether, it, whether it's uh, Spotify or Pandora or Apple Music, I'm sure you can purchase it in a number of places if you want physical copies you can always go to like uh amazon or it's just the top place you phoenix.com can... has some of the uh the newer soundtrack compilations mm -hmm. but the older soundtracks you'll definitely want to start looking around on things like ebay as well yeah <sighs> yeah definitely uh, i mean i've been using ebay a lot for getting some of the original versions but uh same it's it's nice that they have a lot of it uh as available for in digital libraries i think spotify has most of them honestly there's just something to be said about having the actual CDs sitting on your case. And it's just like, yeah, those are nice looking. It's one of those weird things where like, I like having the CDs cause like the art, the binding, the mm -hmm. fact that I can look and say, I have 250 super Euro beat albums. That's pretty fire. I'm still 100% using Google play music. <laughs> like I just, I, I'm not going to pretend that I'm actually using the discs for discs. They are literally just, so Talis has seven t-shirts, but he has 500 CDs. I actually, let's see, how many do I have? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. I have 13 CDs that I own. Seven of them are Eurobeat. Uh, four. Oh, okay. We'll get into what is in, in uh, Talis's uh, CD library on, at another time, but... Uh... Uh, we actually just went through the whole thing, so we're done. Okay, but <laughs> <laughs> so let's go ahead and jump into disc three. If you want to follow along, there's the link in the chat. But uh, let's start with song number one, "The Spy." Got a little bit of funk going on. 
This plays in the missile base, and while the ele and while in the elevator when first arriving to Estar. <laughs> this yeah. sounds like we know what we're doing. I mean, both of them are in a situation where you are somewhere that you really shouldn't be and are going to get murdered horribly if you get caught. Uh, that first Estar trip you actually make in another Laguna dream. But I think this also plays when your characters first get to Estar. Yes, it does. Yeah. But I don't, is a callback. I don't know why, but this really does remind me more of Laguna than any of the other uh, characters in the game. Mm-hmm. He is leveled up to swap, sophisticated. Kind of. No. And in his own mind. I mean, he becomes pretty cool. Again, in his own mind. Hey, hey, Selfie thinks he's cool, too. Which I guess is kind of like your mom thinking you're cool. I was going to say, your mom says you're the best player on the team. <laughs> which is why they don't want to risk you getting injured, which is why you stay on the bench. Aww. Seriously, the song makes it sound like we are like, actually good at what we're doing. And I just played through the S-Star section in Disc 3, and you have no idea what you're doing there, like most of the time. You're just kind of in there trying to figure it out and not get killed. Yeah. Uh, you find out a bit later as you're going that Alone, who uh, Laguna had been caring for in Windhill, playing Happy Family, uh, was captured by Astarian soldiers under the order of their sorceress leader, Albania. Not the first nation to experiment with sorceresses in government. And so he has set out to rescue her, and as part of that is attempting to infiltrate that star. In traditional Laguna style. Oh. Alright, I suppose we can go ahead and move on to the next one. Because it kind of repeats here at this point. This is a, uh, an area where it's very loopy and you have to go talk to NPCs to hit flags. Yep. Oh, yes. Retaliation. Yes. This plays so after all of that fun in the missile base. Yes, this plays during a cutscene showing the missiles approaching the garden. Yeah. If you did not do a good job at the missile base, uh, this track will actually uh, be the last thing you get before a game over. Yeah. Oh god, it is! I had taken advantage of mid magic refine, card refine, and a few other things. So, like, I was, I have not had difficulty in my <laughs> playthrough, we shall say. Well, I mean, if you know what you're doing, it's not that difficult to get through the base. No. Yeah. I mean, the big thing is actually interacting with some of the systems and doing everything you can to sabotage the launch. Mm -hmm. Either way, the missiles get launched, but if you, uh, if you don't do everything you can to try to steer them off course, then this cutscene ends a little bit early and goes straight to the game over scene. Mm -hmm. All right, next song. And this is what you get otherwise. It's called Move It. 
subtitle, Holy Shit It Flies. And both of the cases it plays, something is moving that you would not have expected and maybe shouldn't be. But it's moving now and you gotta work with it. Yeah, it's a little bit of a rough first flight for Balam Garden. Especially since Squall has never flown a giant school before. Then again, nobody that in the school. Like else has. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, anybody else in the school has flown it. <laughs> Except for maybe Norg, but. The other fun thing is that because it's such a janky thing to fly, the actual controls on the PlayStation controller don't make sense and they're not intuitive. Like, almost as a way to say, like, this is difficult and dumb and doesn't make sense. Where is your acceleration button? It's just really difficult to try and do. Also, how the hell did those missiles do that little arcing thing? Was that entirely necessary? Yes, because it looked cool. <sighs> it's the rule they of cool, the man. school of cool shit that explodes. <laughs> yeah, like they're streaking directly towards, and then at the last one, they veer up in order. I mean, I guess it's so they don't punch through and do make sure that they explode at the target, but still. Again, Hideaki Anno school of cool shit that explodes. Kaboom. But yes, this also plays when we have another craft uh, voyaging out into the unknown that is somewhat difficult to control. Uh, later in the game, you find yourself in space for various reasons, and mm -hmm. someone sets out from the space station to release a captured sorceress. Spoiler alert, y'all, we go into space. I was about to say, Zelo, but no, Seven also had you go to space briefly. Mm hmm. So did Four! Mm hmm. You mean you did, you did go to the moon? Yeah, you uh, did we traveled time in five. In five, we went into the asteroid, and it sent us to the other asteroid that was on another planet, so we traveled through space. That was more of like a teleporty thing, though. Fine. Also, it was never clear if it was like a dimensional shift or what the deal was there. Still space. There's a certain tension to this. Yep. Feels like a bit of minor key type stuff. But I mean, a lot of stuff happens during this. I mean, that's why it's a five minute uh, track. Yeah. And it, it's not a lot of looping because we got a different feel right here. Yeah, but I this is one of those multi-cut scenes, like on the OG disc. Like it would play the cutscene and then it would stop for a second, and they would have to load the next one because we were still on CE technology back then. Yep. Yeah, there were a lot of cutscenes comprising this entire sequence. Because I think it also started down in the depths of the garden, where you're activating the various machines that are going to end up allow. It's some type of protective system that then has a very unexpected effect. And there's the entire thing with like that elevator platform rising up, bringing all of this to sit in the headmaster's office. There is a lot of unexpected shit going on during this sequence. All right, I think we can go ahead and move on to the next piece. Yup, yup.
This is called Blue Sky, and this plays on the balcony of the garden after it takes flight, if you have Renoa in the party. Which you might not. You might have sent her off to the uh, missile base. In which case, she'll die there. So sad. You kind of hear a little bit of the uh, um, eyes on me leap motif within that. Oh, for sure. She's in the shot. We have to play some eyes on me. That's true. <laughs> and then the next song that is on the disc. This is called Drifting. This is kind of Elone's theme. It plays in most scenes with her in it. And it also plays when Renoa is floating in space after Adele is released. Spoiler alert, that's the, the sorceress that we released in space. Yep. Oops. Well, technically I, it was Ultimecia that did it. She was possessing Renoa. In both cases, you've got, like... The name Drifting is interesting because you've got, literally in Renoa's case, and uh, metaphorically in Alone's case, this woman who's been cast off from the life that she was building, from any sense of normality. Renoa having become a sorceress and having been possessed by Ultimecia and then literally left out in space. Alone having been kidnapped from her happy home growing up. Uh, even uh, ending up in an uh, ending up, I think she did end up in the orphanage, didn't she? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, you find a lot of the uh, a lot of the strange things in the game. She ends up being the driver behind it because she's just trying to reclaim some part of that life. She's kind of like drifting through, not really sure what to do now that her everything's been thrown into chaos. And she spends a significant portion of her life and the game that way. So it's a very sad, very melancholy sounding track. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and move on. To heresy. This asshole. <laughs> Big froggy looking motherfucker. Oh, dude, you want to know what makes me the most upset over the whole damn process? Someone, and I won't say who, got trigger happy and forgot to fucking draw Leviathan, and... Oh! Yeah, that's you'll not get, worth going back. You'll get another opportunity. I think all the drawable ones, you get another opportunity for them in the last dungeon. You do, but mm -hmm. it's still stupid that I just completely forgot it. Yeah. Yeah, as someone who gets absolutely paranoid about things that are missable forever, that was not a fun time. I was not. I was, I was like, you know, it's stupid. It's annoying. But I did it to myself. It's my own fault. Yeah, I'm just not a fan of having things that are missable forever as part of design in general. But yeah, for those who don't know, this plays when the group meets with Norg. Sid's the headmaster, but Norg is the person who's bankrolling the school. 
which he seems to think gives him some amount of claim over what goes on in it. And he's not really happy with this whole going against the sorceress thing. Good news, we have teenagers and they are going to kick the ass of you because it's a fun thing to do today. Any philosophical disagreement can be solved with violence. That's, that's a good life lesson right there. <laughs> Phoenix on Radio does not advocate the use of violence to solve any problems. <laughs> <laughs> but boy, oh boy, if you do, let us know because it sounds like a hell of a lot of fun. <laughs> All right, next one. A very different sounding song, thankfully. A nice peaceful little place, Fisherman's Horizon. We're not welcome there. No, he don't think. This is one that I'll hum from time to time, like when I'm working. Yeah, Fisherman's Horizon is nice and peaceful. It's filled with people who are trying to get away from war. They don't really want the floating mercenary school showing up on their doorstep. Yeah. And they don't like that we caused a, a decent amount of damage. Hey, 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 we're learning how to drive. It happens. Hopefully Norg has good insurance. But yeah, it's nice to have a spot that we can kind of rest and relax at a little bit. I mean, we've been uh, fighting at missile bases and, uh, you know, beating up people who have been, uh, you know, funding the school, you know, that we didn't know about and... Uh, also fighting monsters down in the depths of the school so that we can make it start flying for some reason. Uh, this music also gets used as uh, the theme for Wind Hill, I believe. Yes, that is correct. Mm -hmm. Which is again, calm town music. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is a world that is racked by various wars and uh, military actions and things like that. And then you have the places that are just kind of removed from it. That this is something that go is going on out there, but not here. Here it's peaceful. Everything is fine here. There is no war. This is fine. Everything is fine. Which is why it's such a shock to them when the war, for instance, comes to Windhill and takes it alone. All right, speaking of other happy little songs. This is Odeka de Chocobo. The theme of Chocobo World. The little uh little mini game that uh, most people never got to play. Because I believe the uh, thing for it was only available in Japan, wasn't it? Mm, I want to say it, it was may have been available in very limited release in the U.S. 
It maybe had to be imported, but, uh... I know Chocobo World was available in the, the Steam version of the game. So this was something where you would take the memory card that your save was on and when you weren't playing the game, and you could put it into... Well, this device it was kind of like a Tamagotchi-ish sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And then you could have a cute little mini-game that you would play with your Chocobo and have it go fetch items and things like that. And then the original, the original VMU uh, a la Dreamcast. Yeah. And then, when you brought the save card back and started playing again, you could get all the various things that your Chocobo had retrieved. Yep. Uh, I think there was even a Guardian Force that was only available that way, wasn't it? I believe so, yes. But like I said, when it went, went, went to PC and Steam, they, uh, it was available. I think they changed it, put it in the game somewhere. Yeah. Uh, that song also plays on the road <coughs> in Windhill where the Chocobo appears. The Chickabo. <laughs> Not the Chocobo, the Chickabo. I'd always heard Chocobo Chick, but I'm I'm not sure if I like Chickobo better. It is a cute term. As opposed to Chocobo Chick? Yeah. Chickabo. Chickabo. Both are weird. Both are good. Yes. Both are adorable. Truth. Alright, next song. This is called Where I Belong. This plays at Trabia Garden, and it's kind of Selfie's unofficial song. I this think is a couple spots, actually. Where else does it play? I want to say it also plays in... It is still Selfie-related. I think there's a cutscene of her later where they use it as well. But it's in reference. She's talking about Trabia Garden. Yeah. Uh, the base theme is uh, Ami, isn't it? But then it's... Like, you've got that kind of tinny quality to it. Yeah. Which I think is very intentional here. <laughs> uh, because when we finally do get to make a uh, visit the third guardian, Trabia, the one that Selfie calls home, that she's always talked about her things there, the friends she has, uh, we find that... Balam wasn't the only garden that had missiles launched at it. And Trabia didn't have someone to find an ancient thing beneath it and turn it into a mobile garden. Nope. <sighs> Which is why, among other things, we get to drop in on and uh, take a peek at Selfie meeting up with her friends. And she goes to their graves and tells them about the really cool festival that she got to put on. Are you making me sad, sir? It's what I do. You're awful. Well done, like, but you're awful. Like, I have a certain affinity for, like, the happy, perky, cheerful character that is hiding a deep, deep sadness. I also really liked Vanille. You know, I'm not surprised, but that's also not great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I liked Vanille as well. Yeah, I've had therapy. I, I understand where this comes from. But there is a certain affinity there. Oh, it's tequila. Oh, okay. <laughs> Having one of those moments. Alright, let's go ahead and continue on. Yeah, very melancholy homecoming. Mm. 
This is called the oath. Now, according to uh, um, fandom here, this plays during scenes when Squall's leadership and heroism is highlighted, such as at the Sorcerer's Memorial, and, and when the party, uh, Fujin and Raijin, confront Cypher in Lunatic Pandora. The name The Oath is interesting, because there's pretty much one context that we see the idea of actually swearing an oath come up throughout the game, and it's the idea of a sorceress and her knight. We have, of course, Cypher's romantic dream of being a sorceress's knight, a somewhat twisted, childish view on what this all means. And Squall, who had wanted to be a person who thinks that everyone should be able to fend for themselves, starting to come around on the idea to the point where he's the type of person who could become someone else's knight in like kind of a healthier or more mature way. Like the use of them as of Squall and Cypher as foils for each other is something I really didn't appreciate the first time around. But having this thing showing Squall coming into his own as a leader, as a fighter, as a sorceress's knight, with the song called The Oath. Really fits. That's deep. <sighs> That's what I do. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and move to the next song. <laughs> I love these. Ah, yes. Laguna yeah, is an uh, actor now. Yeah, yet another Laguna <laughs> sequence. <laughs> I love Do you still have to pay the bills? This is called Slideshow Part 1. Now, this uh, is when Laguna is acting for a movie in Trabia Canon. Canyon, not canon. Maybe he should have been shot from a cannon. Maybe Sarah should be shot from a cannon. Agreed. <sighs> yeah, the entire world of FF8 has some kind of schizo-tech levels going on. And this is where you've got kind of like the old-timey silent movie soundtrack. The somewhat crude film camera. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I mean, especially when you, uh, you know, compare this to uh, the Estar Empire and they're very technological, even at this time. Yeah. They have also... There's reasons for that. There's definitely kind of like uneven oh, yeah. levels of tech throughout. Uh, one other fun... So as this movie being shot is taking advantage of a lot of the world's legends about sorceresses and their knights. And so Laguna is acting in the role of a sorceress's knight. Yes, a, a literal knight. Yep. Uh, among other things, using a very awkward weapon that the director found for the movie that he thought would be uh, like make it really eye-catching. Uh, so he actually is, for some sequences of this, including a minigame, wielding a gun blade. Very uncomfortably, he remarks on how awkward it is to use. <laughs> and then you think about, and remember Cypher talking about having seen a movie when he was a kid with a sorceress's knight who was using a gun blade. Yeah, kind of 
Kind of funny how Laguna that Laguna started it all. Damn you, Laguna! It's Laguna's fault. <laughs> Confirmed. And it is kind of funny to see this corny, cheesy movie and realizing it was the catalyst for all these huge life decisions. Really brings home just how much fucked up little kids these uh, mercenaries still are. Now this is part two. This is when Laguna is facing the Ruby Dragon during the movie. Definitely also <laughs> part of the script, guys. Yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Wow, you guys did a great job on the dragon costume. <laughs> it looks so real. Tone it down with the fire breath. <sighs> one, oh, one of my favorite God. parts of the game. Just because of he how just, goofy it is. He just wanted to make an extra paycheck. He just needed some money so he could keep hunting for a loan. Also, he does have those movie star good looks and charm. In his own mind. No, no. <laughs> this is not just him. He, there's a certain likable quality to him. It's difficult to describe. But he has a je ne sais quoi. Yeah. A lot of P NPCs throughout the game actually remark on that. It's, <laughs> they don't really get why, but they can't deny that there's something about him. Laguna is the epitome of, of, of having a je ne sais quoi. <laughs> a certain I don't know what. God. Are we wrong? No, it just... <laughs> I just played through this like the other day and I'm like, God, this was so dumb. <laughs> this was so astronomically dumb. Oh, come on. Like I said, it was I my know favorite why part. It's there. I'm not upset God. about it. It was fun to play through, but that doesn't change the fact that it's freaking stupid. I, I think it is intentionally stupid. You see this thing that ends up being the driving force behind these huge life decisions, all the stuff that ended up being this huge factor in the game's plot. And it was a stupid little movie that some people were goofing around in. And other people are using this to define their lives. Yes. It is intentionally yes. a bit ridiculous. Yes. So the moral of the story is it's Laguna's fault. I mean, I was going to go with maybe don't make your entire 30-year life plan based on something you saw in a movie and thought was cool, but sure. It's Laguna's fault. Moving on. Laguna's fault. <sighs> this is called Love Grows. It's basically the instrumental version of Eyes on Me. And of course, this plays during scenes between Squall and Renoa. Like that sweet little discussion they have after Selfie finally gets to put on her big uh, festival show. Such which was so which was so much fun. That was Sarah's favorite part of the game. Dude, my show was amazing. Production values and everything. 
Hey, Sarah. Yeah? I picked random instruments. But if they clash, they're playing two different songs! Random. <laughs> Didn't it hurt to listen to? No. Did you have the sound off? No. Ugh. You know Talos is a monster. I did it specifically because I knew it would be funny. <laughs> and because I had a feeling that either you or or Klaus would die a little bit inside when I said it. I I, I get the reason. I, I, I applaud you for it. It's trolly, and it's funny. These young lovers need help. And if anybody should understand it, it should be, you know, the, the, the shitposting librarian. I mean, yes. But also, this is a minigame involving music. You respect those. No. I respect those. I don't. Oh, <laughs> <sighs> uh, sorry, man. It was pretty <laughs> funny to hear your brain shatter for... 2,000 miles away, though. Yeah, Talas yeah. also probably uh, um, went through the Starlight Celebration and hit as many wrong notes as possible during the uh, choir scenes. I attempted, I did bad, and then I asked, I said, hey, is there a way to listen to it if you fail all the way? And, like, immediately somebody in my raid group was like, yes. And, and sent me a YouTube video of everybody just ah! like trying to sing really poorly. It's actually it's included so in one of the uh, OSTs. It's yep. so good! It's so good! I can't even fault you. Alright, let's go ahead and move on. I mean, it's a good song, but still. It's it is long. a good song. It is a slow song. It is a four and a half minute song. And we're almost through it, which is sad, but... <laughs> but let's go to a very different feeling sound. The Salt Flats. So at this point, a lot of stuff has happened. Renoa's in kind of a coma, and Squall has found that he doesn't really, can't really stand the idea of being alone and shutting everyone out anymore. He, as annoying as he found Renoa at times, he finds himself wanting to hear her voice again. And so he picks her up onto his back and starts making his way slowly for the one place he's heard of that might know enough about uh, uh, have the technology know enough to be able to do something for her. And so he is hunting for the legendary nation of Estar. Now, this is a pretty desolate place. This is a very difficult part of the game as well, because if you aren't paying attention to the fact that this is a game that was built on a memory buffer, because again, CD-based technology, and part of the puzzle that is this Great Salt Flats area utilizes that as part of the puzzle solution. <laughs> so you have to be very acutely aware of how to solve this puzzle in order to be able to solve it. And just generally paying attention to your surroundings. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and move to the next one.
This is a cute little song called Trust Me. Remember when we met the Moombas back in the prison? Oh god, that was... 12,000 hours of gameplay ago. <laughs> well, apparently Laguna worked with Moombas on Lunatic Pandora. Laguna doesn't have heart of prejudgments. She has love for all things. Or at least is reasonably open-minded. Both reasonably open-minded. I feel like that's going to be the better choice. Yeah. He doesn't have any preconceived notions. No. And there, we've got that leak motif for Ami again. This is also a song that plays during several scenes between the friends. Mm-hmm. But it really reminds me of the Moombas. <laughs> Adorable little whatnots. And this little bit is the reason why Squall was able to basically survive that whole ordeal. Yeah. I love the, the use of all the different uh, instruments in these songs. I mean, we got the bells, we got the... The... Whatever that wood in, the woodwind instrument is. Assume? Not sure. It's a... It's a very breathy flute. It feels like it's too deep for that. Oh, they, they do make, like, wooden flutes that kind of have that sound. Hmm. <sighs> That's one of the things that I really, really enjoy about uh, um, Uematsu's music is he's not afraid to use different instruments. He will use whatever he wants. You see that with Sokin too, like, just for a lot of the really... Or like, I'm thinking of the Crystal Chronicles soundtrack where there's a lot of those really old ones. Like the hurdy-gurdy? Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> or the Crumhorn. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know what sound you are going for, and you will go through a literal ocean of instruments to find the one that will get just the right bit. Mm-hmm. Square Enix music is some of the best video game music hands down doesn't matter if it's uh, Final Fantasy if it's Dragon Quest if it's uh, whatever it's just oh, it's so good they have so many good composers and uh, musicians I think we're ready for a new song I think we are speaking of different sounds Here's all the weird noises that we could find and we put them together. Yeah. We hope that you like it. Well, this is for a nation that nobody understands. Estar. That for, 
for a while was going forth and conquering and being very expansionist, and then all of a sudden stopped and withdrew and sealed itself up and seemed to just vanish. Yeah, I mean, they had the world by the horns, basically. They had uh, sorceresses leading the way. They had massive technology. And they were basically, they were nigh unstoppable. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they just stopped. And yeah, at this point, they're kind of parking. Dazzling buildings stretching off into the distance. An advanced utopia. The place is a damn maze, though. A bit, yeah. Yeah, I did not enjoy that aspect, <laughs> but it's worth it. I mean, you've got all these tiny towns, and then you've got, like, the sprawling city. The sprawling major metropolitan area. Yeah, there's spots in the later on in the game where I it really comes into play. You need to know this town. Or you're going to miss certain key points in the game. I think it's one of the other ones where if you mess up stuff... There are a lot of them where it's like, hey, here's this sequence that if you don't manage to make it, you will get a game over from it. Yeah. Really big set pieces and the like. But you spend a lot of time uh, traversing through Estar, so this is a long song. Yep. It's called Silence and Motion. Speaking of a different sound. Seems like it got a lot busier at this point, didn't it? Suddenly there's stuff to do. All of a sudden we're back to normal. I love the little it, beeps and boops and boinks and... Everything about it is unpredictable. <laughs> Alright, let's go ahead and move on. Now this is probably one of the weirdest named songs. Dance with the Balam Fish. I don't understand the name at all. It's freaking weird. But it plays during the graduation ball in Dalit, and at the Lunar Base. Yeah, Balam Fish itself is uh, a famous fish in the setting. So I think it's supposed to be just like, here's this idea of like, this dancing fish, like... You're a dancing kind of fish. Like aquatic moving type thing. I mean, it doesn't seem that different from any other classical music piece names. I mean, it is a very nice song. It's just a funny name. <laughs> 
Good song, weird name. And you can dance with it. Yeah. Like, if I were to hear this playing at some type of fancy uh, ball or society event, I wouldn't blink twice. Wouldn't it be funny if somebody started playing it at, like, some fancy schmancy dance, like, in real life? Like, some <laughs> actual thing. <laughs> so, like, not, not video game related at all? I mean, I used to go to a lot of uh, social dance events, uh, especially back in the world before. Not as much even when... Th Anyways, uh... And there were quite a few more people would sneak in like orchestral pieces from video games, and you could tell who was in the know and who wasn't <laughs> just from the Facebook. <laughs> that sounds fucking hilarious. Yes, I I would do that. I would do that. Yeah. Why is Frog's theme playing? Don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, the usual reaction would be like, more like going over and saying, Oh my god, you got frogs thing going, that fits so well! People were usually pretty psyched, at least the ones who recognized it. And the, for, for the ones who didn't, it was just like, hey, this is kind of a nice piece. It's an interesting piece that looks slightly different, and why is half of the room giggling? <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, let's go ahead and move on. We only have a couple more songs left. No, I like the soundtrack. <laughs> now we, we go from a uh, kind of a happy, joyous occasion to... Oh yeah, that, the Dance of the Battlefish at the Lunar Base, you've got like the literal like moving through space ballet of mm -hmm. turning chips and whatnot. Yep, but uh, when we get this song, Tears of the Moon... Yeah, shit's kind of going wrong right now. Literally, we have a sort, sort of teardrops falling down from the moon, the lunar cry. It's not water, though. It's a shit ton of monsters. Yeah, that was one of the other interesting aspects of the world building and setting. The world being this, uh, the moon being this thing swarming with monsters. That every so often there's an event called a lunar cry, which brings them uh, cascading down to the earth. Uh, I believe the gardens were established to have originally been mobile shelters that were established as places of refuge for during lunar cries. Hmm. And, and the people trained there to, to fight them off? To, no, just to take shelter from them. Oh, okay. So they didn't, they, there were two, they didn't yeah, train people at, at the time? Nope. It was just, here is an emergency shelter for the population. Okay, and then they would fly up off the land until they were gone, and then go back down? Yep. Pretty much. Hmm. Interesting. Uh... And the lunatic Pandora being a strange thing that seemed to have the ability to induce a lunar cry. Alright, next song... Estar, of course, had taken it as part of their campaign, and then Galbadia uses against Estar. So this Ooh, song plays on the Ragnarok. It's called Residence. Oh god, the Ragnarok. I haven't got my Ragnarok yet. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
after the entire sequence out in space, including a daring rescue, uh, we have the Ragnarok, which was left up in orbit from the original mission to put a, to seal the Sorcerer Citadel in a, a frozen tomb outside, out in space. The space base existing entirely to monitor her. But unfortunately, the ship has been uh, overrun by these monsters called Propagators. And before we can uh, kind of get out of there safely, we have to take care of said monsters. At this point, it is just Squall and Renoa. Moreover, the Propagators have a couple tricks to them that, if you are not aware of, mean that you may end up fighting them over and over again. There's a reason they're called propagators. Hmm? Because they like to bang. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why I are mean, you like this? Oh. Um. You got nothing, huh? No. It's fine. <laughs> it's just the way he are. It seems like it don't be like it is, but it do. <laughs> we word good. But yeah, you've got some similarities to the S-Star music. It's kind of a little bit spooky, a little bit scary. A little uncertain. There's definitely some spoopiness going on. I mean, you're an abandoned spaceship out sitting out in orbit. And from the sounds of things skittering about, you are not alone in there. It is kind of a fun little song, though. <laughs> it, it fits very well with, with where, where you're at at the time, so. And then, the final song of Disc 3. Probably the song that most people know from Final Fantasy VIII. This was a big deal for having spoken words at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. I think it was the first of its kind for a Final Fantasy. Yep. Yep. And it brought on a lot more. The lyrics are really powerful as well. Slightly ingressy if you actually compressed over the lightness.
Yeah, this is basically how Final Fantasy got into creating kind of a, a pop theme song for their Final Fantasy games now. Yep. Because I mean, 9 had one as well. 10 even had one with Satiki mm-hmm. Dane. Yep. I'm uh, pretty sure 13 had a couple. There have been multiple for each of the expansions of 14. Mm-hmm. I don't know if 11 had any. I know uh, 15 did. Mm-hmm, 15, yeah, well, 15, they actually took a... They remade an actual uh, song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's the first time that they didn't actually create uh, uh, an original. Mm-hmm. 13-2 had one as well, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think most of the 13, 13 uh, games had one. Yeah. It's the breakaway pop ballad that you have over the credits. Yep, this is uh, Eyes on Me as sung by Fei Wong. Which is why you have things like Armon uh, mobs that will use Eyes on Me in the, a lot of their games. Mm-hmm. But very much a description of what they're doing and a little bit of a fun callback. Mm-hmm. And again, you, you, we've heard a lot of the melody in a lot of other songs throughout the, the soundtrack, um, culminating into this one one song that kind of draws it all together. Mm-hmm. It's a very pretty song. She has a beautiful voice. Yeah, she did a phenomenal job on yeah. this. I feel bad talking over her singing, but uh, we kind of got to be careful, <laughs> I think, a little bit, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I said in one of my panels that I did for a convention, I said, did you guys know that by talking over the song that it covers under fair use and education and I don't get destroyed by, by the board? And, like, the person running my panel, the panel mod was like, oh, that's why you're being obnoxious. Okay. I was like, I got a plan. Don't I mean, you worry, yeah, bud. It's... Well, you can still get in trouble, but... As usual, you don't know what is explicitly fair use until it gets brought in front of the judge, but generally for something where it's being transformative, such as by talking about and pointing out things, that will help your case. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah, while... So sorry we're talking over the gorgeousness, but it's... There's a reason. Yep. Otherwise, yeah, otherwise we would basically just be taking it for our quote-unquote profit which we don't really have, but... <laughs> oh, shit. We do have patrons, though, and we do have subscribers, so technically, yeah. Yes. If they wanted to argue in court, that would go against us. Mm-hmm. Even if we would owe Square Enix, like, $8. <laughs> Fortunately, Square Enix is one of the companies who is a lot better about um, litigating. They're not as litigious. Oh, yeah. When it oh, comes yeah. to this, they realize that their fan base is what helps them sell games. Yeah. Oh yeah. And merchandise. Well. Oh, for sure. The um, Yoshi P actually told Alex Main uh, of KupoCon was like, "Hey, can you not call your fan gathering event things fates?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure, whatever." Yeah. And like, they just changed it in all of their documentation. It's like, didn't it used to be fates? And they're like, nope, no idea what you're talking about. And they just full committed to the change <laughs> just immediately because Yoshi P asked. 
There are no fates in Ba Sing Se. I mean, Kuka exactly, exactly. Now, there's some really nice elements in terms of story here, but it gets into some like pretty massive direct spoilers, and I don't know if we want to do that or leave at least a few surprises for people who are going to play this. Well, leave I mean, a few surprises, I think. Yeah, I mean, and some of it will oh, yeah, be discussed in in the next the the final edition that we have next week. Yeah, yeah the final a- disc. Which this is four discs. Yep. Though disc four this is, is a lot shorter than the, than these. I mean, I think I think oh, it's only sure. like thirteen. I mean, at this point, we've got Squall and Renoa heading uh back to the Earth. Squall finally able to acknowledge and admit his feelings. Like we've resolved that bit, but there's still the whole problem of this weird future sorceress that has been interfering with all these events and continuing to work towards some type of thing and could possess a sorceress at any time. A sorceress being Renoa. Yep. Renoa. Now, now that's I, resolved, just live in fear of it ever happening again. The I end. The, I think the spaceship sequence is the first uh, bit where, because Renoa had uh, passed out into a coma, had some strange thing happen to her, was brought to uh, the lunar base for observation, uh, and then it's a spaceship where the first one where she's active again, where you get an opportunity to use the new skill she's acquired. Oh, yeah. It's weird because we're listening to the section that's like, this is the part that's going to that I'm going to play this week. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all super fresh for you. So yeah, that is disc three, and it, it the next one is going to be a lot of craziness. You know that those fights in time compression and uh, yeah, that's some crazy music. Yeah. So look forward to that. Metaphysics stuff is going to happen. All right. We actually got some feedback um, over the over the between the episodes. We did. Yes. Yeah, so um, I'm going to slaughter this. I apologize in advance. From Avalendil on Goblin, he. Uh, went to the website and uh, and had this to say. He goes, hey, I just wanted to let you know that I heard mention my FC mate Lemon Drop in your episode titled Whatever in reference to a cooking show called A Recipe Reborn. I was, hey. I was real excited. You had seen her work and wanted to let you know that she is resuming content soon. She had to take a break from content creation to focus on her culinary school classes. Really hope you guys enjoy what she has coming up soon and best wishes to you all. Well, thank you so much for letting us know that. We do appreciate that, and uh, looking forward to seeing more of what Lemon Drop has coming. Thank you, uh, Avalindel from Goblin. Thank you for letting us know that. Um, I was kind of wondering whatever happened to Lemon, just because, let's be real, content creation's hard, and we all hit droughts, and life comes at us very fast. So congratulations to Lemon for focusing on school and working hard on classes i'm looking forward to seeing new stuff uh that being said since you now since we know that you now listen to the podcast or watch the show um email us at podcast at phoenixdownradio.com because uh i want to talk food with y'all because that would be awesome perhaps an upcoming culinary and collaboration perhaps a culinary and collaboration <laughs> sarah you get to be the judge yes so do I get it's to be the chairman? Uh, so, Klaus, I'm going to need you to make sure I don't burn my house down. 
that's not as much fun. You still get to eat, though. Okay. I will mail you friendship bacon. <laughs> Ooh. Well, I know that ba that bacon jerky is a thing, and that is uh, safe to be shipped. So. Yeah. Oh, no. Did I? Okay, I'm mailing both of you friendship bacon. That's how this is going to go down. <laughs> Guess what I'm doing this week? I'm making friendship bacon, y'all. Is that basically just bacon jerky? Uh, you'll find out when it shows up at your house. Oh, dear. Yay! I just hope it doesn't break any uh, FDA rules. You will find out when it shows up at your house. <laughs> and gets confiscated it, shortly after. You will find out. <laughs> anyway. It, in this case, possibly meaning FDA agents. Look, I only illegally <laughs> transported things internationally a few times. And it was fine. Nobody got hurt. And I did have to, like, straight up the, like, I don't have this. I don't know what you're talking about. And then, like, full fist eat a thing in front of a TSA agent only once. <laughs> it was really funny. <sighs> I promise not to get you arrested and have all of your mail searched <laughs> for the next year. And on that bombshell, I think that's going to do it for this episode. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to like, subscribe, or follow us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, or whatever your preferred podcatcher is, and if possible, leave us a rating or review. It helps other people to find our show, lets us know how we're doing, and uh, helps us to grow our little community. If you really dig this show, please consider subscribing here at twitch.tv slash phoenixdownradio, uh, where you get access to a number of uh, subscriber-only badges and emotes. Um, or you can go out to patreon.com slash phoenixdownradio, like our benevolent overlord, Rory Fenrir. You can uh, find uh, that, like I said, out at patreon.com slash phoenixdownradio, and all proceeds go towards growing the show, cover things like hosting, um, allows to get new PlayStations, cameras, all that fun stuff, and uh, we'll do some uh, supporter-only things as well in the future, maybe, and uh, just let us know the things that you want to see from us. But uh, whatever kind of support it is, whether it's likes, emails, tweets, retweets, follows, subs, or donations, it's all greatly appreciated, and we really love interacting with you guys and the rest of the community. If you want to catch our backlog of podcasts, you can go out to our website, phoenixstarradio.com, and if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, you can email us, podcast at phoenixstarradio.com, um, as well as all of our... Uh, videos of our podcast are out on youtube.com slash phoenix down radio so who wants to throw some shout outs and uh fun stuff like that i've got a couple already lined up uh shout outs to pyrocats who couldn't be in the chat this week because uh, she's doing other awesome stuff uh shout outs to the feisty felines for their show that they've got coming up in about half an hour I'm so glad that we are going to be able to do some cool stuff without necessarily having all of our Ren Fairs active. Uh, shout outs to Rockin' Robin over on Gilgamesh, uh, who went shopping with me today to go buy FFTCG starter decks and boosters and sleeves and other good stuff. <laughs> Looking forward to being able to play again and hear all of the non Final Fantasy players attempt to pronounce words like Alpha Nod. <laughs> <laughs> and why Stola? <laughs> oh, it's adorable. It's so bad. I don't know. I just am like, you guys are too stupid. I don't have time. But I love them anyway, and it's fun. And they, I literally played FFTCG for like two months last year so that people could feed me 
because I didn't have money for food. It was bad, guys. <laughs> so I love my FFTCG community, and I can't wait to get back to playing with everybody. And yeah, I know you hate social media, but you do have a... Uh... I do have a TikTok, and I have an Instagram, neither of which I post anything on, but I'm there. I'm at Marvelous Tofu, and you can send me stuff. Uh, I really like memes, and anything involving tacos is pretty much always funny. Well, don't you also have them for Marvelous Motors? Uh, I don't actually. Uh, we're actually kind of pulling back uh, some of the social media because we're trying to rebuild the brand because mm. we decided to go too big too fast and it didn't do any any good. So we're pulling back Marvelous Motors a little bit. I am still running the nonprofit. I do still have a couple of cars uh, in tow. I actually sent one out earlier this week. Uh, but if you have the time and you hear this sometime between now and the end of March of 2021, uh, MarvelousMotors.org might still be up. And we have a donate link floating around somewhere. We are always looking for help buying car parts to get cars to people who need them. Well, let us know when you're looking at uh, ramping that back up so we can maybe do a uh, s some charity streams for you in the future. Oh, heck yeah, man. I just got to get uh, I just got to figure out exactly what I'm doing that isn't wrench turning because I figured out that part, but I haven't figured out the business building part. All right, Sarah. Huh. Uh, so, lots of random stuff going on. Uh, two shout out sets of shouts I want to give. First to Sophia Dershell on Hyperion, uh, who has been uh, encouraging me to do lots of random fun stuff. Just someone I met through some piece of content or another. I don't even remember where it was years ago. Uh, and has started off a crossword world league shell uh, for Blue Mage stuff that seems to be getting a lot of people into it and doing a lot of those like uh, big group type things. I think they managed to put together an Orban monastery run last week. Uh, it's been really fun to watch, really fun to hang out. Please, Good on you. Please tell me it's not named the Blue Mage group. No. It's called <laughs> True Blue. The Blue Mage group is kind of a great name, but... It's a little bit of one of those low-hanging fruits. Yeah. If you are on the Primal uh, Data Center, take a, a look out for the Crossworld League Shell True Blue if you want to find people to do Blue Mage content with. They seem to be doing pretty well. Uh, also a shout-out to some of my Loremonger buddies, uh, Anonymous and Minimus, uh, Aquadacious and Excalibeard. Uh, last night, we all just kind of hung out and watched as Moose was streaming some horror games, and oh my god, I don't usually like horror games, and it was, like, one of the best social times I've had in a while. It was so good, and there was, like, a lot of talk about, like, the cultural meanings of things or stuff about game design of horror games that I didn't know. And uh, it was also just a really well put together game. Uh, so yeah, thanks to you all for being good friends who can shoot the shit about pretty much anything at any time. Uh, social media wise, you can find me on Twitter at FF14SER. That's F-F-X-I-V-S-E-Y-R-R, -R, uh, where I post random things that I cooked, uh, occasional library things that I find while working, though not as much these days because of the whole library closure thing, uh, and retweets of my, the games my friends are working on. Uh, you can also always ping me on our Discord. Uh, love to hear the questions that folks have and just chat about pretty much whatever. I'm finding I like socializing a lot more than I used to. It's weird. <laughs> well, I mean, things are starting to take a turn for the better as long as people continue to do what they need to do you know get their shots and uh 
still maintain the social distancing until we've uh, beaten this thing, or at least gotten to a point of uh, equilibrium, I suppose. Equilibrium's good. I'll settle for that. I mean, we'll get there, so it just takes time now and, and the rightness. Now I'm about to be a song going through uh, my head. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for loaning me a match to throw at the gas can, Klaus. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I want to shout out uh, uh, my co-host, Sarah and Talis. You guys are always awesome. Shout out to Luna, who is doing amazing in her uh, her transformation. Heck yes. She is... Also, she posted adorable guinea pig pictures, which I always have to give props for. Yes, her guinea pigs are very cute, but Luna is looking amazing. Keep up the good work. You're doing awesome. Hope to uh, get you back on the show again sometime soon. I know your boys are very, keeping you very busy, but um, we miss you. Um, shout out to Arori and uh, Nick Nar for being amazing uh, supporters of the show. Like I said, they their support on Patreon is pr- basically what has helped to get the PlayStation for me. I uh, really can't thank them uh, enough for, for their amazing support. Um, shout out to everybody listening to us live here at twitch.tv slash phoenix on radio as well as out on the podcast we do love all of you like I said if you are listening on the podcast come join us live sometime at twitch.tv slash phoenix down radio and uh, come shoot the shit with us in the chat and have a good time if you want to find me on social media I am at phxdn underscore klauss um, and you can also follow the show at phxdn radio out on twitter so, for my co-hosts, Sarah Timono, for Tell is Marvelous, I am Klaus Nightbringer, wishing everybody a wonderful evening. Thank you so much again for joining us. Take care. Phoenix Down Radio is a production of phoenixdownradio.com and Illusion Productions. Final Fantasy XIV and Eorzea are trademarks of Square Enix. In-game content for Phoenix Down Radio is a copyright of Square Enix. Open to music for Phoenix Down Radio is provided by Guilty Gear Rocky. Check out the Metal Chocobo theme cover and many other music videos at youtube.com slash guiltyofyearrocky. Closing music for this episode is provided by GuitarWanker90. Please check out their full version of Matoya's Cave and other rock video game covers at youtube.com slash guitarwanker90. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of Phoenix Down Radio and its hosts and do not reflect the views of Square Enix.